Cabello, what's up, dude? Deemer, I missed you, man. This, I know, we're, man. It's we're back. Three, we're back. Three weeks, right? <laughs> three weeks. I was in New York. You were at the night of the Assumption. I can't remember what happened with week two, though. I, see, I thought you had said you were going to Detroit, but I guess you said Pittsburgh. And I, I was going to go to Detroit. Okay. Yeah, I okay. was going to go to Detroit, but I, could, I didn't have time because I was going, whatever. Long story gotcha. short is, We've been I didn't. busy. Yeah. We were busy. So, issue one passed. I know we're, we're a couple weeks late. Issue one, no, failed. That's a big, big right, right. issue one failed. So, we keep the way that we put. Um, constitutional amendments on the ballot the same way so good for us good for everybody are you happy about that you're smiling oh i'm so super happy i mean i i uh i don't think i didn't i don't think i won our bet but i was a little closer than you and i do think oh shit i owe you 20 bucks yeah i i don't i thought i said if it's under 55 percent, and you said if it's 65 or over but i came closer 57% 57% was what it was. We're going to have to look at the bet. We'll I, have to look at the technicalities of it. But either way, I was closer than you. It was 57, which is still overwhelming. Like, you were you were right in a way. It was still overwhelmingly, you know, voted down. But uh, and, and so what makes me excited about it is what you said a lot of. This is bipartisan. This is not a Democrat, Republican, Ohioan issue, you know. Right. This is about Ohioans being able to be in control of the amendments that go into their constitution. Like, uh, you know, everybody kept saying, oh, it should be really, really hard. Me and you know more than anybody. It fucking is really, really, really hard. And it's only happened, I can't remember how many times it's happened in over 100 years. It's not many, you know what I mean? But since abortion was on the horizon, it got, you know, everybody's panties in a bunch on that side of the, uh, mostly on that side of the aisle, um, but I'm super happy. I mean, we need people power because right now, um, you know, me and you know, the, the politicians work for the consultants and the donors and we're not getting things that we want done. And when I say we, I mean over 50% of the people, whether you generally vote Democrat, whether you generally re- vote Republican. And I think we've seen this abortion vote in other states, other what you would call red states, go 57%, I, hey, I want the right to choose, you know, a uh, 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 certain type of right to choose. And so whether it's minimum wage, whether it's casinos, whether it's marijuana, whatever the case may be, now the people have a chance to amend our constitution going forward, whereas 60% would have been pretty drastic. And, and it, it hasn't happened much at 50%, you know, and 60% would have made it likely impossible right i have no clue what happened with our bait uh, that honestly i think that we might have messed up and just were stupid and amateurs and um yeah. we have this little gap where it's 65 and 55 you might be right with that but we got to check because i'm going to pay you because okay. that's I'm, I'm a man of my word if i owe you 20 bucks i owe you 20 well, bucks. it was and, and you were texting me uh like um that you were going to win and lauren was like yes deemer's going to win my wife is lauren it's like Deemer's gonna win, you know. I want Deemer to win. You know, I'm like, yeah, I want Deemer to win too, you know. But then, you know, the early voting, just like we see in presidentials, right? The early voting numbers from, right. you know, they come in earlier, and it was devastating. It was like, it was like seventy percent. Yeah, it was around seventy percent early early vote, but then votes started to tack up. See, what I think it is over here in Ohio is we have a lot of rural counties, and it takes a while for these rural votes to start getting in to get counted at their county seat because. Counties are big. I don't know if anybody knows about um, the size of Ohio counties, but it could take about an hour just to drive across some of them, you know. And so, you know, if you're over at the one, you know, 
corner of a county and you have to get to the other corner, you can take some time, especially with the polls closed, get shut together and then get your, your ballots out there and then they start counting and then your votes start coming in. It could be some time. Well, <clears throat> good for Ohio. That means that uh, pro-choice abortion is on the ballot for November um, and we have to push for that. Uh, we have the marijuana vote, legalizing marijuana on, on the ballot in November. What do you feel about that one? Oh, I think they're both going to pass um, probably upwards of 55%. Are you pro-legalizing marijuana? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, and I don't do marijuana. You know, I've, I've had a, uh, like, I'll go to my friend's 40th birthday party. You and don't do weed? I don't do weed. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to grow six plants. I think that's what this statute is about. It will allow you to actually grow six. This is how little I know about it. You know, six plants of marijuana or something like that. Um you know, yeah, I've had a slice of a gummy here or there at my friend's 40th birthday party or something, but right. uh, I'm not uh, a, a marijuana guy myself or any much drugs, but of course I'm for this. I mean, the verdict is, has been in on this for decades. I mean, this is not a gateway drug. That that verdict is in. It's not a gateway drug. You know, it doesn't have the correlation to higher crime, unless you're saying the crime is doing marijuana. You know what I mean? Right. So, um, yeah, I'm a huge uh, uh, proponent of legalizing that, not just for medical purposes. So here's my thing with the whole um, weed thing. Look, I'm, I'm cool with marijuana being legalized. I think I said this on the podcast before. It's like, sure, legalize it. People can smoke. People do things in their house. I agree with that. Here's two, a couple of things I don't want. I don't want billboards say buy weed, buy weed. I think that's not right. I don't want advertisements saying buy weed, buy weed. I want there to be some kind of, um, I don't want people smoking on the streets. I was just in New York. I was in Denver uh, last year. You know, I, it just it frustrates, frustrates me that I'd walk down the street and I smell people smoking weed. I'm sitting at the, at the corner trying to cross the road and some dude's smoking a spliff next to me and I'm getting a contact buzz and I'm trying to hit the gym or something. You know, I don't want to smell it. I don't like the smell of weed. I'm not saying that, you know, I am against weed, but I don't like the smell of it. And I don't know about that's, you. But that's probably not much different than cigarettes. Nobody wants secondhand smoke. Nobody wants secondhand smoke, cigarettes. man. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, and I'm driving down the road sometimes, and I don't know how many people have roadie beers or roadie alcohol in their car. And, I mean, you can't smell it, which if, if everybody, if there are as much people with alcohol in their car, open container while they're driving, as I smell smoking weed on the, on the highway, like literally, you can drive down the road and smell somebody's weed coming out of their damn car sometimes. Right. It's like, what the hell is that? So now we're going to legalize it and we're going to have more of that shit. Okay. So I, I, I am 100% against that. The, my concern with this bill is that there is no provisions for any of that. It's like, Hey, let's just have re recreational marijuana and the Ohio is trying to get more tax revenue. That's pretty much it. And so there's no consideration to what does that look like in society. And I'm kind of pissed off that, that that's the, the end result of this. It's like, let's legalize weed, but no consideration for like normal societal things. Fair Irritates enough. me. Yeah, fair enough. I, I, again, I've, I've actually never been to Colorado, right? When you hear about marijuana issue, a lot, a lot of times I think you think of Colorado, or at least I do. Um, so all those things you say, they, they sound very valid to me. Uh, the advertising, right? That was, that was how they knocked down cigarette smoking. They said, you can't advertise for it anymore. You can't put it on billboards. You can't get where kids are going to see it. Things like that. That was the, the beginning of the decline in popularity of cigarettes. So makes sense to me. I mean, I'm not, I'm about to have a baby. I'm not really 
looking to educate the baby on, hey, you can you can have six plants, smoke weed in your car, things like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Smoke weed in public. Well, just go look, look at what's going on in Michigan. I mean, Michigan, it's you know, you have dispensaries. Cool, fine, have dispensaries. But like every other billboard is this dispensary's here, this dispensary's there, buy weed here, what kind of weed you're buying and shit like that. It's like, I, like look, addiction's addiction. It doesn't matter if you're, people, there's this whole big myth, and especially if you're, if you're a weed smoker, like you, you're like, oh, well, weed isn't addictive as uh, alcohol or it's not as addictive as cigarettes or it's not addictive as, which is probably, probably chemically true. But anything that you do a habit of consistently, especially if it's something that alters your like um, perception of reality, it is addictive for it. Everything's addictive for forming. Like t- scrolling, caffeine. scrolling TikTok is addictive for yeah. mm-hmm. you. know. Uh, oh, you, social media scrolling for sure. Hitting the gym yep. is gambling. The lottery yeah. with the advertisements for the lottery. One hundred percent. So it's like I don't want. So then, if we put the advertisement in part of that, now we have this like perpetuation of an addictive forming habit that I wish was better. I mean, where's my advertisements for hitting the gym? Where's my advertisements for? Uh, buying healthy food or, you know, eating right or, you know, just going for walks every day. Like, so what we do is we advertise for the the things that are more detrimental to us as people in the society because that's where the markets are, are just at. That's um, no different than McDon- McDonald's. You see McDonald's. 100%. And so, I don't know. I mean, look, I, I, I'm, I'm, full, I'm for legalizing marijuana, but I, I am not for the things that people will not put in that bill to stop the marijuana companies to in this and this is all an assumption but look yeah we need more been to to michigan been to new york been to colorado been to la been to all these fucking places and i'm just like i'm sick of smelling weed i I just can't i just don't want to smell my smell the weed well um again and i haven't read it and it's just a statute it's not a constitutional amendment so there's already people saying oh yeah if the voters put this through the republicans the state house will nix it the next day right so this is not a constitutional amendment but marijuana people are that's a rallying group that's a lobbied group um and i'm i I have a lot of friends that smoke weed um i've never you know they've they've never there's never been a concern raised to me by seeing them and their health or their wellness or anything like that uh but do i do it no i don't do it uh should i think that people should have the choice to do it absolutely should it be on all of our billboards and in front of our eyes like McDonald's and the Ohio Lottery? No, I actually probably agree with you on that. Right. So it's a nuanced issue, and we will go forward toward November and learn more about it. We have uh, Justice O'Connor, Marine O'Connor. She's going forward a future redistricting amendment. Now, we're talking about Ohio news, everybody. We'll be done with this in about 20, I'm sorry, Not 10 either. minutes. <clears throat> we just have a couple more things to talk about. And then we'll hit the primary debate. We'll hit Tucker Carlson. We'll hit uh, Trump, Georgia. We'll hit... Uh, some Twitter fights, but uh, future redistricting amendment is going to be is is being worked on right now. What's what's that about? Well, I think you know whatever it's about more than me, right? I mean, the, these districts for uh, the House are gerrymandered so that in a state that generally votes like fifty three forty seven Republican, you can get thirteen Republican. Uh, you know, House members and only two Democrats. And so they, they, they draw these lines in the most perverted of ways so that basically you have two safe Democratic districts where you put a bunch of, you know, uh, I don't know how they slice it out, but it's obviously heavily urban. Um, and then you have, 
maybe one or two toss-ups, if you will, but really, but not really, you know? So, you know, I mean, this has hit your life. I mean, you know more about this than me. Well, look, anyway, long story short, is they're trying to make it that uh, a um, independent group of people draw the districts instead of the politicians. And politicians shouldn't be drawing their own districts. It's kind of like um, if you were working at a company and you were able to, I don't know, that's a bad example. Never mind, we'll nix that. Well, it's it's the politicians picking their their group of voters. It's the politicians deciding what group of voters is going to vote in their future elections. Well, hopefully Justice Justice O'Connor puts that on the ballot. A lot of people, I think, are going to help this cause. I think it's going to be on the ballot for 2024, even though it's in its early stages of just going through the um, language for the amendment itself uh, through the um, David Yost uh, office. And so I think this is going to be something in 2024. And so what's going to happen is they're going to need to draw new districts again this year, which is going to be two-year maps. And if this goes on the ballot, I think that in 2025, 2026, we might have another set of, set of maps where we're going to have a new set of Congress people running for office. And so it's going to be very interesting. Honestly, it doesn't create a much stability for Ohio in, in the short term, but it might create a more fair Ohio in the long term. Um, Something else that happened in Cleveland the other day, they dropped their brand new website. Ross DeBella, what do you think about the brand new website? Uh, Cleveland City brand new website. It's still got, you know, functionality. It's going to have to keep being, apparently they paid a bunch of money, but... Um, Bro, they paid $565,000 for a fucking website. Yeah, I mean, they still had the Mike White page up. You still aren't getting all your dates and all your places. And what do you mean Mike White part- page? It's uh, still up? It, it was still up. I don't know if it still is, but it was like, you know, Mike White is the mayor or something like that. It was ridiculous, you know, uh, but they still got updating to do 565000 did you say? I mean, yeah, over yeah, half sir. a million dollars. You know, uh, that's just how we operate. They pay consulting firms. They pay businesses. I don't, it, you know, it, it didn't seem, it would not never seem that hard. I didn't campaign on fixing the website. It's just something I would have done and not at that high of an expense to the taxpayers. Look, I shopped it around. I put that website out to, uh, I, I know a lot about website designers. Okay. I know a lot of designers in general. I know a lot of people who work in tech. It's just something I've been involved in for years. And I shipped, I shopped that around to probably about a half a dozen people and everybody said it's complete bullshit. They probably could get the website done for anyway from 35. I heard 75,000. I heard at tops, tops. This is if you hired a person specifically to work with um, the mayor's office to get all the language together and coordinate with all the offices and then have the designer in the back end and add security features so and a web back end that you can expand the website because uh, there's that 331 or 311 thing that's coming out that you can look at the complaints that you have. So that might be a functionality that they're going to roll out that costs a lot of money. They're also maintenance that can be a long-term contract, say 10 years or something, that they might have signed. There could be servers or, or things like that that they sign into that. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that if you take 311 security maintenance in, in procuring the servers for a long duration of contract, it could be quite up there in the six figures, but not over half a million dollars. Yeah. Not over half a million dollars. And again, I, when I was in New York, I was talking to my buddy, and that's why I went to New York to see is a friend of mine that um, I, we kind of like rendezvous in different cities and just kind of like uh, hang out and eat steaks and talk politics for a couple of days. <laughs> um, we are, I, I think that we don't want to talk about one thing in this nation is that this is our 
our hypothesis and I think what, what our whole conversation boiled down to is we have a nation full of corruption and we don't know what it looks like. We don't know how to talk about it and we don't want to talk about it. And, and the corruption is not the normal, hey, I'm going to give you $500 to do the thing or here's a briefcase of money to do the thing. That's just like surface level corruption. It's basic corruption. But we have so much corruption that it's, and it's so opaque of how to explain what it is, but it is what it is. And honestly, I think this looks like, again, corruption in a way. Um, I'm not saying that the mayor is corrupt. I'm not saying his cabinet no, is corrupt. No, I no. am saying that probably somebody knows somebody that owes somebody a favor, that somebody ripped them off, that, that, the, that the city paid for with a no big contract to somebody to make a half a million dollars. Uh, no, I, I completely agree. I think that what you said, as kind of confusing as it all sounds, is well said. The corruption is near impossible to see because it's it's not. There's going to be no evidence of hey, they gave me twenty five thousand dollars in a briefcase to make sure my guy got the five hundred fifty. That's not the way it works. That's that's not how right. what's happening. Right. So you're never going to have that investigation on Earth. Let alone also we have kind of a rough media now in this in this country. So. Um, right. Corruption looks like uh, Clarence Thomas uh, closing up to a billionaire and being flown around the world. Uh, sure. If if he then had a, a case in front of him with his interests, which he right. had multiple. So, I mean, there there's <laughs> money in politics. Again, it is like a legalized bribery thing. It's my main issue, but it's then you have dark money and you have this pack money. And you don't really know who's giving and then who's receiving these government contracts or even jobs, things like that, you know, but it's, we have a cronyism corrupt government system. And that's one of the reasons why I get on not only just getting money out of politics, which we're not going to be able to do anytime soon, but the term limit thing, you know, cause it's like when Frank Jackson's there for 16 years, when Joe Biden's there for 40 or 50 years, it's like, they're going to steer things consistently to their crew, you know, or the people that know right. them, not random people. And they, 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 it is a for, if uh, it is a arm's length deal. Yes, I am giving you the money to get this website done. Okay. The website is done and getting furthered, I'm sure. So, but it's, it's just like you got to, and that's why these no bid contracts, you see more and more and more no bid, no bid. Well, that's not how getting the best deal works. Right. Now, I don't know if this was a no-bid contract, but, you know, there are no-bid contracts. And it's, we, we do have an issue. And so one of the arguments when it comes to term limits is people say that you get this experience leaving Washington or Columbus or whatever. And so you have all these rookies come in and these rookies don't know how to navigate the system as well. And so the lobbyists basically run the uh, state house or the or Congress, National Congress, and so it seems like that's been happening with with Biden, the Biden the career. You know what I mean? The lobbyists have been running Washington. Right. That's right. what seems like it's been happening. I agree. I agree. I don't think it's a you know experience issue, but I, I think that in Columbus it might be too short. I mean, four two year terms for a house that's eight years. You basically start learning the job after you know maybe the first two two three, and then you have a. I think that might be a little bit too short. 
And I don't like the fact that they bounce back and forth. I think that's a loophole that's really stupid. It's like, okay, I ran for House, then I can go to Senate. I believe that you should. If you run for one office, you can go to another office. But you can't go back to the fucking House. That's ridiculous. Um, So I I think that you should have term limits of a a way that you can mature and get really good at your job. Um, For the U.S. House, my proposal is, is five terms. That's 10 years. Um, for Senate would be two terms, which is 12 years. I mean, so if you could do House and Senate, that's 22 years of your career right there. I mean, that's, I think that's a long enough time in government, especially if you're coming from like the state up to the national, the federal, um, and then you go to president or something like that. I mean, you're talking about a 30 year, 40 year career. If you went from state house to state Senate to, you know, the U S Congress to, to, you know, uh, Senate. And see, my argument is that's, that's too long. These are not lifelong jobs. These are servant jobs that should be handed off to your neighbor and then your neighbor should be handed off to their neighbor and such and what people don't like about this as well is then you know even if you lose your election you stay down there on k street this is now we're talking about washington not ohio and you are a lobbyist for energy or military or or tech or whatever the case may be because you all you almost know who's coming in to replace you even if they beat you you know the other senator you know what i mean you know all the house members you know the network you know it's a it's a it's a pretty closed network. A guy like me, anybody that lives on my street in West Park, is never going to have a minute say with these power holders. Look, and I kind of, I, I, I disagree because I think that having too little time to learn the job and get the shit done is, uh, is not advantageous. But also, I think that people who get out of Congress should be hired back on as the consultants and stuff like that. So what we have in Washington and Columbus is you have this whole network of people that are sitting there to be support staff for um, your congressman, right? So you have your whole team, if you're a congressman or a senator, you have your whole team, you have your chief of staff, you have all these people. You have the, the branches, like you have your lawyers, just for financial stuff, you have um, lawyers that are there just to research and do laws for you to put them in there. Same thing with uh, Columbus. You have all these people. And so what we're doing is we're taking the, we are taking the um, accumulated knowledge of the senators or whatever out of Washington and not tapping into that knowledge. And I, I think that there should be a group or a caucus or something that is there, maybe of a group of six or seven or whatever, that can graduate into like this knowledge thing where people could tap into, just like hiring a lawyer or hiring, you know, an uh, uh, underwriter or something like that. Maybe. I mean, my thing is, with term limits is you, you shouldn't spend your time worrying about your next election, which would mean kind of uh, doing, trying to get good PR in the media and then calling big dollar donors. So like right now, Justin Bibb, the reality is if, if, you know, if you read Lawrence Lessig or some of these other things is, and I mean, you shit, you ran a campaign, you raised like a lot more money than me, obviously. Um, even when you win on day one, if you want to win again, you will spend four hours of your time, maybe more calling very wealthy people saying, Hey, we, you, you know, can you donate to my pack? But blah, blah, blah. that could be for myself. It could be for the, the Democrats or the Republicans. If you're a Democrat or Republican and you're just wasting your time and you're in getting influenced by one class of people, you're only, and this is why we have so many homeless people. And this is why poverty is going up and, and things like that. You're only getting influenced by 
certain groups of people, but not rank and file Americans. Well, I, that's not that's not a term limit issue. The term it's, it's a, sure it, it is. So it, it is not. No, it isn't. It's, sure, it is. No, it isn't. It's a it's a it's a um, term limit. It's a term. It, it, it's a term issue. If I have a every two years have to run for office, what the fuck you think I'm doing? And then what, raising what, money. You're raising fucking money. So what? Do I get elected for? Do, do, do does the person for the House of Representatives just get elected for a six year block and then shut sh- sh- the fuck up? Is that what you prefer? I I, I so would then you prefer, have to change it. So I would every prefer two, more than um, you know who, Marcy Captor, who's had twenty five terms. I you know what I, I mean? agree. It's too long. What I'm trying to say is like. The system is encouraging people to continue to run for office because two years, look, we just had an election and we're already talking about the presidential election. We're already talking about, you know, districts. We're already talking about, I'm not even recovered from the last election and we're talking about running again for, for Congress. I mean, and so I, I, I we just I'll have, agree it's just too. I, I like your proposal. I don't know if I like 10 or whatever, but then like you no, said. I'm not saying you get elected for right. 10. That's what my right, term right. limit you can, every you two. You can win five. You can win five. I agree that you should be able to do more than two. But I, but what I'm saying is I think you need to understand what these jobs were in the first place. And they were, let me talk to Matt Deemron Oakmore. Let me talk to Ross DeBello. No, that was the intention, but that was never what the job was in the first place. The job was in the first place where a lot of real to rich- To represent your residents. No, a lot of real rich landowners had a little oh, expert, ex, ex, right. extra fucking time on their hands, so they decided to run, run the government. That, that that's is what correct, it was. That is correct. And that a lot of correct. senators, a lot of congressmen, a lot of presidents were just saying, hey, you know what? I guess I'll be president because I'm the richest guy in the world, so I, uh, richest guy in America, so I'm going to go this. Or I was the ex-general, so I guess I'll go do this. This is what it was. No, no, that is so correct. So talking to the people, and only some of the people, only all of the people is a new fucking thing of the United States to go say, hey, you know what? Maybe I should talk to the, the mom and pop that owns the store down the street. This is a new thing with a, when it came to the populist movement of the labor movement that happened. Labor Day is coming up. It was a labor movement. I, you're right. It was not, always a rich class. Of course, it was of always course. the top. It was always the guild. That's correct. That's correct. Until it wasn't. But, but if you want to say, if we're done with the three-fifths compromise, if you want to say we're all equal and everybody pays their taxes, then everybody should have a say, 100%. equal say in the policies of, it shouldn't just be the donor class and 60 Republicans that say, we're not giving you abortion, when 60% of all of us who we're all equal and we all pay taxes want some type of, of pro of choice legislation. 100%. So what I would propose is that we need to shorten our election cycles. We need to make sure that elections and fundraising can't happen outside of a certain window. And that's what I think would be the best thing. Everywhere else in the world does that. I I don't know if it's France or if it's uh, just the EU in general, but I know that they are only allowed to start, and I know that London or the UK is the same way, is they're only start allowed to start running a campaign at an X date which is fundraising, going out there, talking to the people, and then they fucking stop, and then they have a cool-off period, and then it's election day. So you're not just fucking, you know, pushing shit out all the way through the election and then after the election. And I think that's what we should do. If you have a two-year period, you shouldn't be running a campaign for two years. We should start, if it's November that we have the election, we should start in June. And you have three months to prove your case. Get out there, raise money, co-talk to the people, but you're doing your job the whole time. That's, I think, the change that we need. I, I love what you're saying. I, I think the, 
the for sure what we agree on that everybody that's not doing this podcast right now probably agrees with us on is we need systemic change. Now, how you're going to change it? Those are some good proposals. Those are some good proposals. But the way things are right now, we are not getting representative government, and and everybody knows it, and everybody knows it. And yes, we didn't have representative government I, I, in 1776. I agree, I agree. That's right too. I agree, 100. <laughs> I agree with you. We're on the same page. I just don't like the conversation where sometimes we say that like, oh, this is what it is or used to be or what it's supposed. No, it never was that way. What we're trying to do is change the United States to be a more inclusive place for a lot of people that hasn't had representation for a long fucking time. And so to go back to say, oh, this make America great again, like it used to be that way, but it's not now, that's bullshit. We have continuously been getting better as a country and we need to get better Continue still. Get better. Yep. Yeah, so no, George Washington was a real rich motherfucker but- and he had time <laughs> on his hands. And he was just like, I'll be president with no salary. I guess I'll do it. But I, I think to get to the very first thing you said about how opaque this corruption is, like, I'm not accusing anybody of anything here, but I know the Bib campaign just spent a ton of time raising money and, in fact, raised a ton of money. Well, now that's going to lend itself to, hey, you know, who did you use on your campaign for their website? You know, who do you know that does websites that gave you you know, ten thousand dollars. I mean, we talked about this with Ronane in the jail, things like that. Right. So, like the, and to br- tell everybody what we're talking about, there, uh, they're building a new jail. They're trying to build a new dr- jail here in Cuyahoga County. The land that the county executive who makes the decision is trying to push actually donated to the campaign, the people who own said land. So, right. So when you talk about the opaqueness of the corruption, how we know our number one problem is corruption. Well, it. This is, but it's all kind of a big putty. Like it's all a big mishmash of money in, money out, influence in, you know what I mean? And, and so it's hard to figure it out. But yes, the, those adjustments that you propose, man, they make a lot of sense. And I'm sure a lot of other countries. That's just are, for campaigning, but I have no clue how to solve, yeah. solve the corruption thing. Yeah. And But I think that we, we do have to, I think we just need to highlight it and we have yeah. to call it what it is. And, and that's what me and my friend really spoke about was like, Let's stop being around the bush of what the thing actually is. It is corruption. It is a form of corruption. And just because you're not sliding a briefcase across the table, it is corruption. And so when we look at um, either anything from Clarence Thomas to any kind of gifts that were given to, you know, courts that things went in front of the Supreme Court and they were getting money from certain people, corruption. When we talk about insider stock trading, it doesn't doesn't matter if, if... and here's one of the arguments. It's like, well, Nancy Pelosi goes home and talks to her husband. They have a good relationship. Obviously, because they're in a relationship, their husband and wife, things slip. Look, if she comes out with $200 million because of his good stock trades, fucking corruption, right? Corruption. Same thing with Dan- Dianne Feinstein. Same thing with uh, you know Dan Crenshaw. All these motherfuckers. It's called corruption. When you have these whole, when you have land going from one person to the other because apparently they don't donate in my campaign, and they're donating to people and somehow some way just so happens that they're using their products as fucking corruption it's corruption right so we got to start calling it what it is well and i think i think that the two of the last three presidents won because of exactly what you're talking about i think obama campaign his number two thing was ending washington corruption uh stopping k street lobbying after uh codifying roe i think that was his number two talking point trump to me trump's one or two it was build the wall and it was drain the swamp. 
you know, and these two guys won, and they won Ohio, right? And Obama, it wasn't even really that close, you know? And so now you see what happened with issue one in Ohio. So people know that the politicians are corrupt and they want it changed. But the question is, Obama didn't help the cause. Trump didn't really help the cause. Now you have Biden who people are yelling from their rooftops, the Bidens are corrupt. You know, the Bidens are corrupt. So how you corral this, how you start to move it, improve upon it, boy, that's a tough problem. So let's move a little bit from local to some more like national slash local. It's a good bridge. Um, Lizzie Marbach and Max Miller had a little tweet war. And here's the, the background is Lizzie Marbach worked for some Ohio pro-life corporation or PAC or, you know, group, whatever. And she was, you know, their communications director. Max is obviously the congressman. And Max is, this is a nuance that a lot of people don't ha have in their conversation about this, is Max's wife was on the board for this group. So Lizzie was the communications director trying to put out comms for the pro-life movement here in Ohio. She put out a tweet saying something like, the only way to um, freedom or righteousness is through Jesus Christ. I'm paraphrasing. I don't have it in front of my face, my, my, my face right now, but something like, the only way to righteousness and freedom or something is Jesus Christ. Max being Jewish, was, took offense to that, called her a bigot and said, hey, that's not cool. Delete the tweet. You're, a be you're being a bigot because obviously the Jewish people are not, don't use Jesus Christ as their way to, um, you know, salvation. So there was this whole thing about it. Everybody's calling Max anti-Christian. Everybody's saying that, uh, you know, the, the, a lot of Jewish people think that Lizzie was out of the line with this as well. Anti-Semites come out too against Max, saying like, and I, I and you know what? This is a time where I'm gonna have to defend Max a little bit, saying like, look, he could have his opinion, but don't be anti-Semitic while you're giving that opinion as well. You know that. So there's a you two people could cross the line, right? Um, what's your opinion on the whole thing? Well, uh, I didn't think anything about her tweet. I mean, I think people that are religious um, zealots or think, you know, generally will be confident or vocal about, you know, my, my religion or my savior or my God is the one true way to salvation or, you know, something like that. Um, I'm a fervent, I'm a fervent advocate for freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Um, so I had no problem with her tweet. Frankly, I, uh, the only problem I had with his tweet wasn't on religious concerns. It was about when he said, delete the tweet. Mm -hmm. So that's really the only problem I had with his tweet was like, okay, you're one of the power holders here. We've seen the, the Twitter files, you know, we've seen where the government right. is kind of de-boosting and telling Twitter and Facebook to, to censor regular people. I get, I get it. This Lizzie person is a little bit more powerful than a regular person has a bigger platform. I get that. But again, this gets back to a lot of my whole philosophy on politics. You work for the people. You're supposed to uphold freedom of speech, freedom of religion. I didn't have a problem with her tweet. Do I agree with it? No, I'm kind of like an agnostic Buddhist kind of guy myself, you know? So it doesn't 
I just would have kind of kept scrolling, not been triggered by it, not been bothered by it. You know, let her say what she wants to say the way I let my dad say what he wants to say, the way I let my wife say what she wants. I don't agree with all my whole family on religious issues, things like that. You know, roommates I've had. I've had Jewish roommates. You know, uh, so his saying delete the tweet is the only thing where I would say, wow, if I was a voter... I, I wouldn't not vote for him based off religious concerns, but based off, what do you think of the Twitter files? Like, you shouldn't be telling a person to delete their tweet about voicing their their religion, what they believe to be the right religion, something like that. So that was my take on it. I agree. I agree that, uh, you know, saying delete the tweet is, you know, trying to infringe on freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and freedom of, of, of all of that. I just want to note that, once that happened, um, people rightfully so, so came so came out in um, outrage, uh, but also some a lot of people crossed the line and they started being anti-Semitic toward Max. And I think that there is a way to say voice your concern without being hateful yourself. First of all, he shouldn't call her a bigot. Right. That's being hateful yourself. Right. Um, but second of all, you, just because somebody calls you a bigger or hateful towards you doesn't mean that you come back and be anti-Semitic right? or example. racist yeah, or you, whatever. You just Yeah, you got to lead by example. You, gotta, you definitely got to lead by example. So, I mean, I do want to say that any anti-Semitic words yeah. or hate speech toward him was unacceptable. And, and we should say it wasn't long thereafter his tweet. He has come out fully apologized. I'm pretty sure he didn't fully apologize. He said he basically said I'm sorry, but it was it was taken out of context or something. Okay, it, it was like it was a kind of a half apology. Oh, I, I okay, I and again, this isn't my lane, so I don't really keep up with the the Republicans. You're I'm I'm friends with you. You know, I I love him unconditionally. I'm trying to lead by example, but I don't really follow Max Miller and the pro life groups and all that that drama or whatever. But I saw some headline that I made me think that he had fully apologized. Yeah, so it doesn't look like Max um, really apologized. It's more like a half apology. Like, I'm sorry um, you took out of context, but I'm sorry that you took it out of context sort of thing. Um, look, let's, let's just be... Lizzie was going off the rails. She was going off the rails, man. Uh, so the tweets that she was putting out, and this is from her own omission. She put a commentary in, the, in Blaze Media. She wrote it. It was her, her talking about why she got fired from the group. Remember, this firing happened only a day or two after this tweet in this exchange with Max. Max's wife is on the board. Super coincidental. But leading up to that, leading up, and she's basically saying that it wasn't just because of it. They had, she had a uh, different of opinion about how to communicate pro-life. Uh, I think that she put out something that said something along the lines of saying, um, so... What did she say? Um, well, she, okay, so, I mean, long story short, she put out things like saying, like, you are being, man, I want to see find this quote real quick, because this is actually really good about what she really believes about the way, oh, here it is. About. Here it is. How I believe the desire to utilize effective messaging in order to win quickly morphed into the fear of speaking the truth at all. Cowardness had begun to masquerade as strategy and wisdom. This is evidenced by the name of the coalition created for the campaign, Protect Women Ohio. And she continues to put out tweets and things like that, saying that, um, calling abortion activists murderous liars and stuff like that. 
which she 100% believes that the way to attack this issue is to go full, like hard in the paint. Yeah, sixth you're, gear. Yeah, yeah. You're you're a murderer. Mm -hmm. Abortions, murder. Aggressive. You know, you yeah. know really full, full on. You know, narrow minded. Bible script, yeah, narrow minded. Stuff like yes, that. Yes. Like this is what she was doing. And protect Ohio, protect women Ohio. And that's what the group's called. Was like, you know what? You really got to calm the hell down. We don't and, want you doing our communications. There's no nuance here. There's no right peace. There's you're, no you're, love. You're yeah. alienating the people that yeah. could support us because you're being a, you're you're just going off your off the rails here. So you got to calm down. This has been happening for months. So what she said is so while I believe that our separation would have happened regardless of the viral exchange with Max Miller, and the exchange with Rep. Miller was not the cause of my firing. I think that it played a role in the timing of which it happened. This is what she said. And honestly, yeah. I think she was pretty honest and, 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 you know, about why she left or why she was fired or why they separated. Um, and I think that it was a very honest and telling about how Max, you know, had played in his wife played a role in it. And I don't think there's anything. Yeah, I think that's pretty no, much no, it. No, no, <laughs> no. That, that, this is a very interesting debate. This was national news. This actually isn't kind of local. It's more national. Um you know, I went to Notre Dame Cathedral Latin High School, at Notre Dame uh, Elementary School. I'm, I'm friends with a lot of hardcore Catholics that, that think a certain way, vote a certain way. I love them to death. Um, she's allowed to believe what she wants to believe, and she's allowed to say what she wants to say, but they can go a different way with who's in charge of their tweets for their organization and their advertisements, their communication. When we say, when we say comms, you know, we maybe take it for granted. It means communication for your group, you right, know, and right. so they are well within their rights, whether it's the Max Miller thing or not, to say that there's plenty of fish in the sea. We don't need you in this job. Yeah, and, and you know what? I think they probably made a good choice. She was going off the rails. I don't, and honestly, I, go off the rails. Like I don't want, you know, you guys to win this debate. <laughs> but you know, it was it was a very interesting conversation. I think there's a lot more to it. Um, and again, this goes to who is, you know, I just don't like the fact that 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 Miller's wife's on the board, and that that's being kind of forgotten. Right. That there is a power dynamic there in this whole mm -hmm. thing. There's and there's a succession type game here. You know, there, there's one hundred percent yes and, interests. And, and so even when Cleveland.com was you know reporting this, there it was like that was left out. Like Miller's wife's on the board. Miller's wife is on the board and she got fired after the exchange with Miller. Very soon after. Like come the fuck on. Very important to know. Very, Very important, important to information know. to know. And yes, all this stuff leading up to that up to her firing might have been just cause for her firing. You know, we just Hey, you're just off the rails. I'm sorry, you're going off the rails. Um, but you can't leave out that information. Right. That is a very important piece of information. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to keep it, keep it a little bit more local and national. And I'm going to say it's local because I'm going to talk about Maui. Um, Maui is, I lived in Hawaii for, what, six, seven years. Dude, you've lived everywhere. You don't even look that old. How have you lived <laughs> and gone to so many places? Bro, this is what happens is when you have ADDs, you just move everywhere and you're, you're like, hey, where are they? That's shiny over there. Um, no, so I lived, in, I lived in Hawaii and I lived on the Big Island and um, Oahu and the Big Island being Hilo, Kona. And a couple of things I just want to point out about this is, um, number one, is a lot of people, the first thing I heard from people that are skeptical of the fire itself, how it started and whatever, 
is people have to understand that there are two sides of an island, right? Especially the Hawaiian islands. There is the rainy and wet side and there's the dry side. And I don't know if all islands are like that, but Hawaii is. The big island is. Maui is like that. Um, uh, but you have a rainy side and then the, there's a dry side. And a dry side can get just as dry as a desert. It could not rain for days, weeks, months over there. Or just rain in like little pockets because of the cloud forms and it rains and that's it, right? And so people were saying about Maui is like, oh, how did it start? It's a, it's a tropical island. How, why was it dry? You know, why was it, 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 this sounds false. That's not true. You can have a dry part of the island and it could be just as dry as a desert or not or rain very, very, very little. And they were going through a drought. That is a real thing. Um, another thing I want to say is that I lived in a place called Hilo. Hilo, Hawaii was uh, a small town. We had a branch of the University of Hawaii there. It's so University of Hawaii Hilo which made the population of Hawaii bloom to something like 50,000 people. Without the university, without the surrounding cities, it being the second largest city in, in um, Hawaii, uh, Oahu being the largest with about 700,000 people, so it's a very big difference between the largest city and the second largest city. I want people to understand the tragedy that's taking place. When you live in a place like, like Hilo, and you are a local and you grow up there, you know everyone. Right. So if you say that there's 108 people that are dead and a thousand people that are missing here in Maui right now, somebody knows the person that's dead. It's not like you somebody in Cleveland died and you don't know the people in Cleveland or you might have heard about the person. No, somebody's it's somebody's auntie or uncle or you went to school with them or it's somebody's cousin or somebody who went into your shop or store. You absolutely know majority of the people or know somebody that knows the people. So it's an absolute fucking tragedy. And the other thing I just want to say is that with this whole Maui thing, um, people were going out into the ocean, right, and, and to, to escape the fire. And so when there was a, people were waiting in the ocean because the fire was in the town. There was no place to go. You couldn't go up into the mountains because there was fire there. You couldn't go left or right because uh, there was fire all around you. You went into the ocean. So people were in the ocean. There was there was a smoke on top of the water. So the fire couldn't come into the ocean, obviously, but you could still suffocate. So with a lot of these missing people, a lot of people went out into the ocean. And so it's quite possible they, su they suffocated and then got dr or drowned and got washed out to sea. Again, huge fucking tragedy. The, the last thing I do want to say is, with the, is that there's a lot of conspiracy theories around how the fire started, about uh, the origins of the fire, about that the um, that there's a lot of uh, rich people houses that didn't burn, but the town burned. The town, living in Hawaii, I've seen the, the towns. Kona is probably around the same size as, as Lahaina. Um, there's, there's Hilo. These towns, building construction in Hawaii is not like here, right? It's, you don't need it. It's, it's warm all the time. You don't need double walls and double paint shit. You don't need the, it's, a, it's, it's, it's plywood painted on a two by four. That's your wall, you know? And you, these walls will last for a long time because you don't really have big weather. There's not hurricanes. There's not, well, there, there might be a volcano every once in a while, but <laughs> there's not, you know, earthquakes. And so <clears throat> building construction in Hawaii isn't like building for downtown Cleveland or San Francisco or something or people that have to, or places that have Anywhere lots of weather. we're familiar with. Right. It's just, we can make a structure because it's a very stable, very stable environment, very stable weather. You don't get cold for the most part. And, you know, it's like that. So 
a, a town catching fire and then burning up is very believable. And if somebody who has money builds a, a structure that is built in a different way with, you know, a different kind of materials, it's also very, very possible that it's not going to burn the same way as well because these towns are just made out of wood. Wood, so throw it up. So somebody went there and Americanized <laughs> their build or something like that. I don't want to say Americanized because that's, that's very kind of uh, ethnocentric to say because yeah. they are American, remember? Uh, well, yeah, yeah, mainlanded, whatever you would call I, I, want, it. I want to say mainlanded because yeah. if you go down to Florida, it's also this kind of, it's, it's, it's about the, it's, it's about the, the, temper, the temperateness. Yeah, it's about the, the, you don't need the same kind of building quality. Okay. And I'm not using quality as a, as a, it's better or worse. Right, right. It's a build, you don't need the same kind of building structure or material or engineering because of what it is. But you if know? some rich person wanted to build a house the way they wanted to build it out there. More than likely they they're could. building it differently because they don't, they don't have to, they would just do it because of what they want. They want a big ass mansion and it's going to have the big sliding glass doors with the marble floors and it's going to be absolutely different. But if you want to build a big house in Hawaii, two by four frame, plywood on the outside, slap some paint on it, put a, um, a tin roof on it, boom, you have yourself a big house. And that's fine for building code over there. And you do it on a slab. Um, you don't have a basement, you just have a slab and there's your fucking house. And it's probably st stood up on some four by fours, right? So the, how, the, 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 the city going up in flames um, isn't unconceivable because of the way things are built over there. And, and a lot of the buildings are old. Um, one thing I really want to, people to realize is that more than likely, the people will get fucked. The people are going to get fucked. They're going to get their land taken and stuff like that unless something really comes in and people help out these people. The insurance are going to, aren't going to pay out, pay out what they're going to want. They're not going to rebuild the city. Somebody's going to come in and scoop their land, and you have all these people that are going to be now losing more of their land. And I just have to understand, and people have to understand that Native Hawaiians don't like the situation of Hawaii right now. You know? And... People are always coming in to try to take their land, buy their land. And every time you buy land from, you know, in Hawaii, not from Hawaii, it's more of the land that's being taken away from the, the people that were there for, they remember, they had kingdoms in Hawaii. There was a queen in Hawaii, and that was annexed to uh, the United States, and now they have a president of the United States, Joe Biden, and this is not what they signed up for, as did native Hawaiian people, who, which now the capital of the Hawaiian kingdom has now been burned to the ground. This is not. This is huge. And now, if this land gets taken over by insurance companies or developers or or whatever, and it's not in the hands of the, the people anymore, it's a major, major tragedy. And it's a tragedy already. But uh, is it going to compound? I, I I assume it is. And I hope that. I but I hope that the people don't get fucked. Do you have any comments on this? Well, no, I mean, I, I put it on the list because, you know, it's, it's global news. And I, had see, to, I can only talk to one of the points you mentioned and then just, you know, Biden. Biden taking a lot of crap. He only did $700. I think with that act, he's only allowed to give $700. Uh, but they, now you have to go to Congress to give more emergency relief. Um, he did finally show up. He was take, just like East, Pal East Palestine. He was taking a lot of shit for not showing up. Um, but the only other part of it, why I put on the list, thank you. I did not even know you lived there. That's amazing context and education, um, was the scooping up the houses. So I had seen videos of residents saying, you know, people are trying 
to, to buy my land for pennies on the dollars. Yeah. If they c- approach you, contact me, you know what I mean? So the scooping up of the land and the and Biden, $700, why isn't he showing up? That's why I put it on the list. And thank you for all that education because that was very educational. Well, I don't know if it was education. It's my perception of what, uh, of you know, I'm not, I'm not from Hawaii. I lived there. I went to school there. Um, <clears throat> it's just what I saw. All I'm saying is that, that this is a monster tragedy. And just talking about Joe Biden, he absolutely failed again. Uh, the government failed. Let's just understand, Hawaii has one of the biggest naval bases in the United States, right? Pearl Harbor is right there. I think there's, there's probably military. There's military on uh, uh, Big Island. There's probably military on Maui. I, don't, I didn't check. But you know what you could have done in the midst of all this? Got on a fucking aircraft carrier, sailed that shit to uh, Maui. It would have been there in 20, it, it, it would have been there in less than 24 hours and deployed 10,000 United States Navy troops or Marines on there to help clear this shit out and help the fucking people, house the people, and get them what they need, the food, the water, resources, the protein, yep. the resources, the internet, the infrastructure. You know what the fuck they didn't do? They didn't do that. that. Yeah, any of that. Yeah. And so they have FEMA dragging their feet, they have local shit going on, and the fact is the people are still over right now figuring out after two and a half weeks why the fuck isn't shit getting put back together. Right. While we have a trillion dollar, almost trillion dollar uh, military budget and the fucking largest Navy base in the Pacific is sitting there uh, one island away. And I think it's a fucking shame. I think it's, a, I think it's crock. And I think that, you again, say it's criminal. And I think it's criminal and I think it's corruption. It is corruption. It's, it's a lack of priority. It's backwards priorities. And what the people everywhere else are saying is, again, just like East Palestine, billions for Ukraine, not even thousands for us, hundreds for us. Billions for Ukraine, hundreds for the for each Hawaiian, and we've. It's becoming a laughing stock how backwards our priorities are. If you make this place a state, take care of it. Ukraine is not a state. Hawaii is a state. Ohio is a state. Right. You, you know, and so. Um, the money part of it, then, like you said, that just makes so much sense. You've got aircraft carriers. You know, you've got water, you've got resources, you've got anything. I, like, I don't know, have you ever been to Pearl Harbor? No, never. You, you, go, you drive by Pearl Harbor and like literally out in the harbor, there's, you know, destroyers, there's, you know, um, cruisers, there's aircraft carriers. You're always, there's always planes flying overhead, you know, F-16s, F-22s, F-18s landing, taking off. Like Hawaii is a busy military hub. Like, you don't go to Hawaii and not see military, right? You don't see maybe Jeeps and shit driving on the street, but there's a massive presence. And so, you know, at any given, at any point in time, there's thousands of some sort of troops on, on Hawaii. If it's Navy or the Marines or Army or some kind of collaboration or Air Force or some kind of collaboration of people. And so with the budget that we have for the, for the military, oh my God. I just don't understand. Like, here's what I don't get is like when you have a natural disaster in Hawaii, like, and I don't get, I don't want to talk about conspiracy theories of how it started. The fact is it did start and here's the, here's the end result. Why don't you mobilize the thing that you have? Now, I understand if you're in Kansas, right? To get the military to Kansas is, first of all, I think with the budget that we have, you should be able to do it really quick and get there in 24 hours, but, or the National Guard or whatever. I was going to say, all they can ever deploy immediately is the National Guard. Right, National Guard or whatever, you still can get there. But in Hawaii, 
it's like just take get the people over there and I'm not sure, sure what they could do but it seems like we just have a big huge fucked up web of bureaucracy between the the people that need the help and the government controlling the shit so we have Biden with you know being on vacation we have FEMA which I don't know the fuck you need FEMA and even if you need FEMA can't FEMA help with the military you have the National Guard you have the local officers and the local people you have the governor there you have all these fucking layers until you just get to the fucking people that need water food housing and shit like that they're 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 and at the same time, you have all these hotels, and I'm not, I don't want to say anything about business, but this is a time where I think that you kind of compensate hotels as a government and say, hey, hotels, we, did that you, we just COVID. had a, we we just had a national COVID. disaster, and I'm sorry you have, people have vacations coming up, but we have to find a way to get the, the, like, people have to understand. People have to understand, like, why we just, you know, a whole town burned. You know? Oh, yeah. Like, do you really want to vacation in Maui right now while... Priorities, man. While the whole fucking Humanity. town is burning? I'm sorry about your vacation. Yes. Re- we'll reimburse you, but, like, can't... We'll, or, or we'll move you over... We'll move you over to Kauai. We'll move you over to Big Island. We'll move you over to Oahu. Bro. You're not going to Maui today. I'm sorry. Bro. <laughs> you know? Bro. Everything <laughs> you're saying ties in with everything we always say. From participatory budgeting to abortion to Ukraine to January 6th, okay, to anything. Taxpayers, me and you, April 15th, are fed up with the point that this significant amount that we pay, we're the richest country in the history of countries, this significant amount that we pay is supposed to go toward the public good, the good of my neighbor, you know, and it's just getting diverted and perverted to anything but that. East Palestine, Hawaii, you know, People, uh, the sports team stadiums, people are fed up with what their tax dollars are going toward and what it's not going toward. And, and right. that's everything. That's everything. You're exactly right. I don't know. I, I just think that it's really, uh, last thing I do want to say about this whole issue is that there's a lot of tutorial videos online about how to mitigate a natural disaster. And to be perfectly honest, you need to have a fucking PhD to do it. I was talking about, I was looking at one about how to deal with insurance companies. Insurance companies need to give you a payment up front, uh, like, a, like a check for a couple thousand dollars or some, some kind of money so you can get... Emergency stipend. Yeah, emergency funds so you can get it. And so what they're telling you is that you can't sign anything. You don't negotiate that time. It should be in your uh, deed to say, hey, here's the money and then you deal with it. But then at the same time, the insurance companies aren't giving enough money to pay for rent in the in Hawaii, you know? So, like, if you have a family of four and you need, you know, have two-bedroom place and you have to rent it, first of all, there's no place to rent. Hence, it goes back to me. We talked about these resorts and hotels. I'm sorry. Put we're coming on there. vacation. Put them in there. You're like, this is a natural disaster. I apologize. Force majeure. Uh, it's like, come on, please. Right. Like, you, we have to house the people before you have a vacation of fucking the it's Maui Island. It's forced majeure. You just hit it on the head. Yeah. And, 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 and even if that's the case, I think the government could, you know, help compensate or they can d- defer it and then they could come back at a different time. You know, we could, you could figure it out. Money is not the problem in this country. Well, well I do, I, I do want to be considerate to the people who did maybe save a whole year sure. or two years that are that's going to saying. Hawaii for the first time, the first Hawaiian vacation, and this happens, and they, it's going to cost them like $10,000, and they're going to lose that on hotels and flights because that, they, they because saying, remember they, hotels and flights don't have to honor no, no. it if it is a if it's force majeure. Sure, that's what I'm right? they can be delayed, but if you really wanted to make everybody whole in this country, money is not the problem. Right. If you really wanted to, that's the point. 
is there a political will for it? No. <laughs> no, right. there's not. <laughs> so, <clears throat> anyway, I'm sorry, sorry. And that's the thing that really ticked me off this week because it is, it's just a failure. It's like Katrina all over again. And, and, and talking to people, I have a buddy I was talking to the other day about Katrina. And, you know, there a lot of places in, in the hood got hit uh, with Katrina. A bunch of, again, again, oh, yeah. Um, a bu- bunch of poor people that were living in, you know, ba- you know, lower income neighborhoods. And there, there's a lot of, ro- some of them were close to the water. They're still not developed. You know what they did? They scooped up the fucking land because nobody wanted to fucking deal with it. And now they're going to probably build cond- condos on it. And, so, and it's like. Our priorities are very backwards in this country. Very, 100%. We're not well. We are not well. 100%. Where do you want to go from here, Ross? Uh, I mean, we got to do Tucker and Trump and, and the debate and Georgia and the, yeah, that's what, those are the things we got to do, but maybe we should have done those first, but either way, those, that's what we got to talk about is that debate, the Georgia prosecution and his interview with Tucker Carlson for sure. All right. So we have Trump. We have, um, let's start with the debates. Yes. What's up with the debates? I mean, we had eight clowns up there. I watched the whole thing. You watched the whole thing. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, I, I, I watched most of it because okay. my basement started flooding. So, oh had, no, you had basement flooding with all these storms and shit. Third time this year. Oh, that's tough, man. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, I watched the whole thing. Um, I thought I try and look at it through the lens of my Republican friends and family, you know, and, um, I thought for them, for how I know my, a lot of my friends and family are. I thought that they would have seen Vivek Ramaswamy as the as the clear winner, and but all of it kind of is a joke. I don't think that they, I don't think that they hit much stuff that's like uh, all the stuff we just talked about, regular regular Americans struggling or anything like that. I, I thought it was just I didn't think any of them talked about real Americans and real corruption. Um, the media, like if you know Republican voters, their number one issue is, you know, the media is broken. The media is corrupt. Uh, Facebook tech as well. And they didn't talk about any of that. Like DeSantis complained about how the media portrayed him about something. But that was it. And of course, this is on Fox. This is on Rupert Murdoch's channel, you know. But uh, I just didn't think that. I think you should, I think you should note that. This was not only on Fox, but it was Wall, Walled Garden where they didn't allow other people to, to, you know, you had to have Fox to watch it. And they it, also... It was on Rumble as well, too, I know. Well, I don't know how long, how long it was going to be on Rumble. Okay. And whoever, because they put out a uh, statement to anybody who... Uh, that anybody who... And this was for all the creators, that anybody who posts more than three minutes of the interview within the seven days that was aired... We'll get a cease and desist from Fox. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So So there's a lot of people that were going to live stream it and have commentary, but they said that we're not going to because we don't know how Fox was going to. We want to deal with the lawyers. Right. Yeah. So I I just thought it was a horrible performance by all eight of them. Um, I thought that there was a part of a production aspect to it. Like I... I compare politics. I know. I know you maybe hate when I do this, but I compare politics a lot to WWE wrestling, and I felt like on DeSantis's like opening and after some of DeSantis's stuff, there was fake applause. There's fake cheering and yelling. I felt like after Nikki Haley took Vivek to task on his um, 
uh, foreign policy takes that it was fake applause, fake cheering. Uh, if you looked at the arena in Milwaukee, there was not many people there. The whole upper tank was closed off. Uh, four of the sections in the back of the of the lower bowl were closed off. So uh, I thought there was a, a Fox Rupert Murdoch, um, you know, the political clown show production value to it. And I don't think these eight uh, did anything to further the discussion. I, I'm glad they're all in it. I've been in debates with seven people. It's very hard. It's a, it, you know, I thought DeSantis performed horribly. Um, Tim Scott said we need to break the backs of the teachers unions. I mean, it, it was just a, a clown show that we've become used to in America. That's my thoughts. Who do you think was them. the biggest winner and loser? I think Vivek was the biggest winner. I think he, not not for me personally, just who won the debate amongst Republican voters. Uh, me personally, I don't think there was a winner. Maybe that guy who tore his ACL, Burgum or something, he had a couple reasonable responses to some questions, uh, especially on education. But um, Vivek, I think, hit the Trump talking points. One thing you always talk about with RFK and the Democrats is hitting the tunes, you know, playing playing the classics. You got to play the hits. You got to play the hits. I thought Vivek played the Trump hits. And it, it seemed to me he's, he's maybe taking the route of Ted Cruz um, in 2016. Hey, I might not be able to be Trump, but I can say some of the things that Trump says. I can act a little bit like Trump acts and that will maybe get me to second place or maybe he'll pick me as his vice president. These are my initial thoughts. I don't know about you. My, my first of all, my thoughts was, uh, Vivek was a very standout person. Um, he, um, I feel that he is getting caught in a little bit of flip floppy stuff. A lot of times, but I think he's politically smart about the way that he's doing it so he can roll it back or explain it in later. I was talking to my buddy after it and, um, and uh, it, he says, <clears throat> I wonder if you agree with him. He says that this kind of format is dead. Um, that, you know, it's, it's really about long form content. It's about, you know, actually going out there and talking to the people. And this is what people are really, you know, uh, you know, that this kind of format is done because everybody doesn't really like it. It's really combative. It doesn't say anything. It doesn't tell you as a candidate, as a person. And so he's like, I don't even look at these as is valid arguments or valid, valid platforms anymore. I disagree with that. Um, I think that, I think that a lot of people are going toward this new independent in air quotes media, uh, when it comes to long form podcasts and long form talk, just sitting down and talking to people is a brilliant way to, uh, it's not a brilliant way. It's just an obvious way to get your word out there and start talking to people and get your name out there more and actually get your opinions out there to more people. I think that it's the minority that listens to that and that when you have something on Fox News like this, um, still 12.8 million people tuned in, that is your first, you know, a lot of people's first idea of who they want representing them in the White House. And I think Vivek was a very, one, he's young, he's energetic, he's good looking, he's sharp on his feet, um, and he's playing the hits. DeSantis looked like a, a forced fake phony oh um, that was that can't he he is out of the race he's done he I don't to, know about that but yeah he was he's horrible out. he's out he's out he's gonna continue to force it but he's out he's well, out I think one of the reasons why DeSantis doesn't stand a chance is um, I don't know if you remember following the Tim Ryan Vance Fox News debate they went on Fox and they did a debate I think that these Trump 
Trump voters, and probably more than Trump on the Republican side, but certainly Trump voters, they are mad about this kind of debate and the, the lack of true news you know, situation. So if all DeSantis has is kind of Murdoch, NBC, because NBC and the New York Times, they support Ron DeSantis. Whether it's under the guise of we don't support him, they lift him up. They blow his name up. They do a lot of pieces on him. You know, he's in the discussion as a legitimate candidate mm -hmm. because of Fox, the New York Times, and Well, he's NBC. the governor of Florida. And he's a governor of Florida. And he was a U.S. House representative before, before that. Right. He's, to me, he's a donor puppet. He's a corporate puppet. And I don't think that Republican voters are going for that anymore. So for those, I still think that they're going to try and make him a thing. But I think that people are fed up with the people that have been thrown down our throats, like Joe Biden, frankly. Well, I think that's what Vivek was doing during this whole thing. Was he was like saying, I'm the only person that was not bought and paid for here on the stage. And this is why I'm saying this or that or the other thing. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't right. think anybody knows if that's true or not. The fact is, he said it, he put it out there. Mm -hmm. Now it's in everybody's conscience that says, oh, he's the only one that's not bought and paid for. It was a smart move. I think Vivek is going to be a very formidable person for Donald Trump in the, in the in the primary, to be perfectly honest. Me and me and my buddy were talking about that, and I kind of don't. And and I'm again, I'm friends with a lot of Trumpers and Republicans, and I I just think if you want to vote for a hey, we need to end the war in Ukraine. Uh, you know, we need to stop funding the war in Ukraine. We need to drain the swamp. I'm not bought and paid for. If you want to vote for that, you're going to, I mean, it, and you want to vote for what they'll teach you is like viability or who has a chance to win. I mean, that's Trump uh, by a hundredfold times over Vivek Ramaswamy. So um, I don't really think that, uh, I don't really think he has a chance but I do think he's positioning himself for a long career as a populist, you know, as, as a populist politician on that side of the aisle, you know, and, and I don't buy that he's not bought and paid for. I don't buy that he's not a politician. Let me tell you something. I can tell you from experience. Uh, and maybe I'm, I'm, you know, I have my uniquenesses or whatever. The minute you say I'm going to run for mayor of Cleveland, you know, or I'm going to run for president or I'm going to run for Senate, J.D. Vance. The minute you say that, you are a politician. The minute you're asking for somebody's votes, you're a politician. You can dress it up all you want. You can make yourself seem like you're um, different than the other candidates all you want. But that's just part of the public relations and the messaging part of it. He, you know, he is a politician. At this point, hopefully people can see Trump as a politician. They just kind of say things that Mike Pence and Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley aren't going to say. You know, that's the extent of the difference, but they're still asking for your vote and they're still bought and paid for. You know, so um, I don't think Vivek has any sort of a chance. Um, I thought Nikki Haley, and again, I'm not, I generally don't agree with the Republicans on, any, on much of anything, but I thought Nikki Haley carried herself quite well, you know, if that means anything, if that means anything. But I don't think any of the eight have a chance the way it stands, the way it stands. Uh, I, <clears throat> I, I disagree. Um, I, I'll go, again, look, Donald Trump, in my opinion, had, was very smart to not join this debate. And he said it during the Tucker Carlson interview saying, like, I'm leaning by 30, 40, 50 percent, no, no, no matter if you're looking at some, whatever polls you're looking at. 
Why would I be there with people who are batting one, two, three percent? That makes no sense for me. Smart. You don't have to be there. You don't have to be there. And I think that he made a good choice. I think he made a good choice to create a new, um, you know, thing that was happening at the exact same time with Tucker. I think that was smart. I think that it was smart that he knew that the next day he was going to turn himself in. So therefore, that blanket blanketed anything that came out of the debate. This was all. How does Trump keep his name in the news? over no matter what happens within that debate. And <clears throat> we are talking about some clips about that, but at the same time, we're still talking about Trump. We're talking about Fulton County. We're talking about the Tucker Carlson thing. It was very politically savvy, in my opinion. And I think that the only thing that he failed with is that the interview with Tucker Carlson sucked. It was. I thought it sucked too, okay. It, it, yeah, there, was, there, was, there, was, there was, I mean, the, the idea to do it, Right, but great if idea, had, great uh, more more than the Fox, more than Fox debate by far. One hundred percent, and then so, but it's like did he? he but he didn't really kill it. He didn't yeah. do anything that was really stand out. Saying it was just Trump being Trump, talking. I don't to even Tucker think it was and, that much. He used to be like really funny. At least you know this wasn't even. I, there's nothing really that made me laugh. I, yeah, I, I don't, don't think he killed it, and yeah. so and so I really don't know what. I mean, again, I think it was politically smart, but yeah. I think he didn't capitalize off the opportunity as well as he could have. With that said, um, he did basically blanket a lot of the talk around that could could have been there if the debate just happened without him the, uh, being the center of attention for the next two days. Again, I don't agree with that, that Vivek is out. I think that um, I think that people want Trump because people don't. I think we're too early. Most people don't start paying attention to the presidential election until the day before. Right. Both, both sides may have candidates enter that haven't even entered yet. Right. They're still, they're still talking about who's the governor from uh, uh, Virginia? Oh, oh, oh. B- b- yeah. What is his name? Yes, he might enter. I, I People are still talking about name. him yep. entering. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and on the Democratic side, Gavin Newsom. People are still talking about him entering. People are still talking about him, too. We don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. So I, I don't believe that. <clears throat> and then again, it's like, my, I, again, I was talking to my buddy. You know, there's a, the people that he works with are a bunch of big Trump supporters. And so they don't even know anybody else that's in the race. And that, that's because it's not time yet. Give it a month before the primary. And when these, this really start hit, starts hitting it, then I think people are going to understand, like, what's going on. And he could win the primary. He could not win the primary. But in the primary, he looks like he could easily take it. But with that said, I am not too sure that, one, uh, these this criminal charges are going to allow him to, you know, stay in the race or people are going to not, you know, sway their votes. And I think that we should be really thinking about that Trump, I think, probably would lose to a Biden again. But I also think that somebody like Vivek could beat Biden because of him, him, oh. him, him being youthful, him being energy, full of energy, him being quick on his feet. And so maybe they get their shit well, together and they promote somebody like uh, of Vivek. Well, I mean, uh, let me say this much. No, number one, I'm not sure that uh, I'm not sure I agree with you that Trump will lose the rematch. But I, the other I, I, thing I don't is, agree with that either. Actually, yeah, the other the other thing is <laughs> I don't agree with that either. The the other thing about it is just like um, just like in 2020, people would say, "Oh, you can't elect Bernie. Oh, you can't uh, uh, have elect Elizabeth Warren. You need somebody who could beat Trump." And for me, that never struck. That never struck a chord to me. That was always a lie. That was always a narrative. I think that any of them could have beaten Trump 
the way Biden beat Trump. I don't really even know what Joe Biden brings to the table as a campaigner. And getting to your friend's point about how the, this debate form might be dead. Look, I wish it wasn't. I did a bunch of these debates. I think it's. I think it's can be super valuable. Should be a part of our democracy. But if you go back and run back the tapes from the Democratic primaries, Joe no, ain't nobody. Not, you point to one American that would say Joe Biden won any of those primary debates. He did not. He didn't. And he won't win any debates to a year and a half from now. He will not. He can't even speak. So the, the form, unfortunately, is in this, we're in this black space about where Americans are at with who's watching it and what it matters and the, the spin zone of it and things like that. Uh, it's more coalitions and, uh, and endorsements you know, things that are, that shaded the 2020 Democratic primary, how they did Bernie, stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, I think Trump, All I do think Trump performed horribly, but I think Trump's main thing right now are these prosecutions. I think, that, like I said, DeSantis staffer had said, come out and said, or got caught saying, we need to get him indicted. We need to get Ron DeSantis indicted. Right, right. And I think Trump's whole thing right now is... I think that was more tongue-in-cheek than anything, but I understand what they're going for. Sure, sure, exactly. And, and he, in, in a couple of his debate answers, he tried to say, when I did this in Florida, the media the, the media came out to get me, you know, as a witch hunt, blah, 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 blah. Well, these four indictments now against Trump, that is taking the cake in terms of... I'm anti-establishment. The establishment is corrupt. Joe Biden is corrupt. This Ukraine funding is corrupt. You know, and look what they're doing to their political opponent. Look what they're doing to their political opponent. So I don't think any any of them answer any debate question or Tucker Carlson question matters. I think that Trump and his 75 million voters and all this political theater is going to take the day, assuming it all stays the same and things do change. Um, I think that we have one thing maybe <clears throat> going back to the, what you said about DeSantis is you know it was a witch hunt it was a witch hunt I think that we need to come back to a place where I don't know if the media ever was actually good I don't know I don't know if the media was ever actually good at doing what they're supposed to be doing but I think that we have learned how or the politicians have finally learned how and, and the people have learn to take that message is that holding people accountable means witch hunt. And I think that we have to get back to like media pointing out something that the politicians are doing isn't a witch hunt. It's holding you accountable. And I, I think we have a big accountability issue in general, um, not only in politics, but in general, we have an accountability issue. Like how do we not blame ourselves or how do we think that everybody else is out to get us? Like or maybe it's just me just being an asshole or me being not doing the best job that I possibly could or, you know, whatever, or want to take, you know, responsibility for my actions. With that said, you know, the, the media has notoriously and historically made sure that if it bleeds, it leads and wants everything, do everything possible to make the story a hyperbole to get as much eyes on, on it. And so there is two things with this, but the narrative that we have now is the media is on a witch hunt, which is, I think, sometimes not the case. Honestly, I don't think they're on enough witch hunts. 
you know, to especially when it comes to uh, people who are in public office. I would say locally, yeah. And, and locally mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. to say, hey, you know what, you, you're, you're kind of doing, that's the thing that you're doing, and that's not mm-hmm. cool. It's not a winch hunt, but it's like, right. this is how the people... This, this firm here that did Detroit's website said they could do it for $100,000. What's right. up with $560,000? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it's, that's not a witch hunt, that's just getting information to the public, going, right. hey, this is what the politicians are doing, this is what your elected officials are doing. And anyway, but but what's happening is we have this weird media is now playing the the political game themselves, and they're actually taking sides of what narrative they want to. And it's such a weird place we're in. It, really it is such, is such a weird place, dude. It's the weirdest place ever. There's no trust. There's no accountability. There's a lot of corruption. There's a lot of corruption. of corruption. So we are in this weird place where. Nobody knows who to trust. Even even getting to like hospital systems, like it's in everything. It's in every facet right now of American life, emergency relief. It's in every facet of American life. And so uh, then there's another debate next month. This Trump thing in Georgia kind of just happened. Um, you know, so I, it's going to be fun to follow. That's why I'm happy we're doing this podcast. It's going to be fun to follow. What's the next thing we have to talk about? We have anything else? <sighs> I don't know. That might be it. Any final, final thoughts for this week's podcast that is now an hour and 20 minutes? Well, the one thing I'll say is uh, I think on a few other podcasts, peop, uh, you know, I know nobody much listens, but you might get the idea that I'm defending Donald Trump on these pr- prosecutions. And I'm really not. I'm just saying we should have a one-tiered justice system. And now I'm going to go the opposite direction because – Trump has like an 80 an 80 car motorcade driving him to the thing, taking the mugshot that he wants and it's like this is injustice here. The same way that I think that Biden and Pelosi and whoever else should get prosecuted for the stuff holding documents that that Trump gets gets prosecuted for, Trump should be dealt with the same way that my friends that get booked into the Cuyahoga County jail get booked like we really have to get get to a place of justice for all you know equal treatment for those who've been charged with crimes and those who should be charged with crimes and so that's the one thing i'll say about the georgia thing and the mugshot because the the mugshot is the current hot topic as of last night you know he when when people in cleveland go to jail this is last week and while i was at the jail meeting they were up there stumping Ronane and the mayor of Gar- uh, Gar- saying, oh, it, we're not going to have those deaths here. We're not, we're not going to have those deaths. They said, this is the one thing people want most since 2021. As they were saying that, another inmate in Cuyahoga County Jail died. So, you know. What was that, this last week? This was a week. Yeah, I think a week ago. Yeah, the 19th when we postponed. Wow. So, you know, the Trump thing is, for somebody who worked in the jail, you know, worked in the Justice Center, it's just laughable to me about just the different tiered systems of justice in this country. And, you know, I don't think that this is going to make Trump more popular with the lower classes who tend to get prosecuted for a bunch of bullshit. You know, if anything, it's going to be like, no, this guy's getting coddled, just like white collar criminals get coddled, like Martha Stewart and things like that. And so... That's my last comment on on this new prosecution. I personally think this was all for show. The yes. whole Fulton County thing. Um, I don't think that he 
again, I, I do believe everybody's like, I think that a lot of people are like, oh, he needs to take a mugshot just like everybody else. And then we put it out there. It, it was all political. It wasn't like any, everybody else. <laughs> First of all, it wasn't like anybody else. Like if you take a mugshot, you, he was like pointing down. Yeah. Like it was like sides of his face was shadowed and stuff. Like, you know, you look there, your chin's this was up, produced. you don't smile. It was, it was a this pro- is just like if you watch the show, the boys, this it was, was a produced. Pro- it was production. It was absolute fucking production. Um, so I thought that was kind of weird. And second of all, I think that the narrative is right, and a lot of the Republicans are saying, like, dude, he's one of the most photographed people in the world. What the fuck do you need a mugshot for? What do you need a mugshot for? You don't need a mugshot. You don't. Yeah, he has to get arrested. He posted bail. You know he's going to post bail. He has the money. So just fucking get, hey, bro, give me the check. Go get a bail, and and we're going to continue with with this thing. So I thought it was all produced. I thought that it was a big distraction with the motorcade and all that stuff. Um, it was a huge waste of, of government Taxpayer money. Taxpayer money. Taxpayer yep. money mm-hmm. to do this. A huge fucking waste. I mean, I, I don't think that it's covered enough of how much money it actually costs to move the presidents and ex-presidents around. Oh, yeah. It costs a fuck ton of money. I mean, even if he's using his own jet, um, but, you know, when you have the Secret Service, it, it costs... I don't even know how much money. No, even and even now, whether it's... not millions of dollars just to get them down there. Whether it's Jimmy Carter, the Bushes, the Clintons, they're still... On that dime, like they still right. get Secret Service and, protection, and, and I think that. they should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm not saying anything, and but I, it's very expensive. That's an expense that, and if they move around, that's an expense that you pay for because yeah. he's the ex president of the United States. And I, I don't, I don't want those are the kind of you know nickel and dimes of, of government spending that I don't you think need, we should. You, you need, we need it. Don't talk about it. Security, and, and if yes. they move and they go on vacation, or if they go down to fucking Dairy Queen, let them fucking go to Dairy Queen. And so what if they have Secret Service with them? Eh, fuck it, you know that's that's not taking my money. Uh, the, but when the, you the don't Pentagon, need, <laughs> well, when you don't need to maximize it, don't maximize it. Well, I mean, th- I just thought this was all political. I yeah. thought it was all. I think it was definitely a a show. It didn't. I don't know. I don't know. My my thoughts. Yeah. So we'll keep following it. That's why I'm excited about this podcast and now that this debate is starting to happen and all that. But it's uh, we're we're in such a weird time. We are officially in such a super weird time. All right, Ross. Thanks, man.